And suddenly, though, I heard him saying, I love my little girls more than anything, and I said to myself, oh, no, don't, you can't, don't say that. But I had underestimated him. He went on, I would rather see my little girls die now, still believing in God, than have them grow up under communism and one day die no longer believing in God. Welcome back to The Left is Dead. I am here with my co-host Nathan, as usual, and we are here tonight with special guest Robbie Martin of Media Roots. Um, been a big fan for a long time, so it's nice to have him here. Uh, Robbie, good to have you. And what have you been working on lately with Media Roots? You want to tell us more about your recent deep dives? Sure. Thank you so much for having me, and I'm happy to hear you've, you've been a listener for a while. Um, yeah, I mean, if people aren't familiar with media roots basically it's a podcast with me and my sibling um abby martin who um used to have a show on rt called breaking the set um we've been doing it since about i think since 2011 so a little over 10 years um and recently uh she just had um her second child so she's she has a three-year-old and like a basically a newborn um so she's been kind of sporadically appearing recently so um in her absence um i've been doing you know i not that it's anything new for me but i've been doing like more multi-part sort of long-form podcasts um and it's been it's been enjoyable and usually the focus is a little more broader in scope like uh we did a really long Freemasonic history of the United States uh, series that went really in depth um, into a lot of detail. That's not even at the 1900 mark yet. Like we we went, we took so much time in the 1800s, like, and it's already like 40 hours long. Um, so we're going to pick that back up in the summer, but um, uh, you took interest in a recent podcast uh, series I put together about um basically that all started i decided to do this podcast based around a rumor that i was seeing online um and this is before i'd even heard of the movie sound of freedom but the rumor that i kept seeing pop up and i don't really remember where i first saw it might have been on youtube might have been on twitter but i saw it enough times where i was like that's odd i want to figure out what's going on here basically that rumor was that mel gibson is about to blow wide open the the pedo elites the pedo elite conspiracies hollywood all the pedo elites that was sort of the framing of it that and and so i was like where is this coming from you know did he say something recently is he talking about child trafficking what's going on so it turned out that it was actually a nine i think it was a 1998 interview clip that based on his hairstyle in the interview clip i'm right. gonna say it was around the time of the patriot he's got that kind of like yeah. it almost yeah. like a bun or something um going and he's he's talking about how hollywood's kind of creeped him out and how it scared him and when he first got here he heard stories but then he's like you know that, how could that possibly be but then like it turned out i wasn't like that off track about what i was thinking and talks about the scary house on the hill and how people tell him you know don't go to that house on the hill and he's talking and kind of on all these vagaries which you he know, sounds coked up. He sounds insane. <laughs> or he just sounds like someone who's 
turned off by aspects of Hollywood that maybe he finds disagreeable. But yeah, I guess the the leap that I found interesting that people were taking was they were, it was like, oh, he's talking about Hollywood pedophilia and uh, child trafficking. And that's what a lot of people somehow took away from that video. And so that was fascinating to me because I'm like, you know, Q themselves, like the poster Q kind of died down. They didn't post for like several years. They came back with some kind of incoherent, seemingly ancient aliens rhetoric and then kind of disappeared again. Um, yeah, they think basically have- what like tried to hawk Jim Watkins, whatever he's doing at the time, basically now, like that's what Q does coincidentally. I think that that was something <laughs> they recently did. And then their actual like after like a two and a half year absence, they came back to say that you know, like Q typically does, what's this, you know, what does this mean? You know, it's all like questions. Right. I remember the comeback when it was like, well, <laughs> this is part of the plan. This is all part of the plan. It's like, okay, come on. You know, like I don't even yeah. think Q believers wanted to hear that at that point. Well, it was but- interesting because Jim Watkins, the son of Ron Watkins went on this whole UFO thing in Q's absence. Other way around. And Ron, then, son and then of all Jim. Of a sudden, yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden, or, or Ron Watkins, did I say Jim? Ron Watkins went on this sort of UFO terror. And then all of a sudden when Q comes back, it's not just insinuating that the UFO disclosures are real. It also, from what I gathered from the, the la- those Q and on drops, it was more like there's like alien DNA inside us. Like it was getting, it was getting wackier in a way that was a little unexpected. And then it kind of just didn't really push, you know, it didn't, didn't really continue the momentum. And instead what I perceived was there was sort of an adjacent track of QAnon-like energy that was still flowing through the media ecosystem, mostly from the sector of like right-wing politics. And it's that's where the Mel Gibson thing seemed to be coming from. So I was like, oh, that's, that's interesting. Um, maybe I should return to looking at what more of this is. And I come to find out it seems to all be linked together as some kind of viral marketing campaign for this movie sound of freedom that that did on paper lots of you know box office numbers it did it did well um so that but then you know as i started to unpack what the movie was what jim caviezel the lead actor in the movie has been saying it started to become very evident to me that that whoever was putting this movie out there was heavily relying on QAnon energy to market the movie at the very least like that became evident to me very quickly so when I found that I'm like oh this is like a pretty big movie it's riding on this wave of very volatile and pretty wacky political energy to market itself and so that sort of what led me into like looking into it deeper because that alone was like oh that's really crazy that someone's doing that you know yeah so (laughs) <laughs> going into it i mean yeah that's what's it is crazy and it is funny that mel gibson's getting credit for something he didn't do i will it is hilarious to me that he's like being called the director and shit like that of a movie he had nothing to do with but at the same time mel gibson has been prone to making like unhinged rants in front of his living room wall lately so it's not too far off to think he'd be involved but i mean going deeper down into it you've been watching a lot of the interviews with like caviezel and uh tim ballard doing pressers yes. about this movie and i mean ballard I'll say this before we start recording. I was telling Nathan that Ballard was on an interview with Jordan Peterson where he says, well, maybe it's the people, you know, maybe the people who don't want us to know about real sex trafficking are the ones making up the conspiracies like Q essentially. 
of course, Peterson accepts that. Peterson equates some stuff in a Vice article with like, you know, saying child prostitution should be legal or whatever. But at the same time, like these two are insane. And I, I you know, do you want to do, I don't know, what's the game running here? Like what is Caviezel's out there running his mouth all on this stuff? But is Ballard like running cover for him or what? Like what is the dynamic those two are cultivating out there? Well, that's an interesting question because I think that Jordan Peterson interview was probably the most telling of all the interviews I've watched so far because Jordan Peterson acts like he's going to, you know, sort of scrutinize them and, and make them face their criticism at the opening of the interview. And he asked them, what is this I'm hearing about QAnon? You know, and even Jordan Peterson plays dumb about it. He's like, I don't know what this is, but yep. that's what we're saying about you. And it's like, that to me is an interesting game. A lot of these people play. Cause it's like, how could you not, especially like, I'm not even in the right wing sphere of politics. And I know like, how could, if you're in the right sphere, like how could you not know about it? Like at some point you would have had to have encountered a crazy fan or somebody who's trying to push adrenochrome on you. So it, it, to me, it's like, I don't believe the level of ignorance that's on display, even the way that interview starts. But I do think there is a game happening in general. It's, you know, it's happening sort of on the larger right, where it's like they, they play dumb about what QAnon is. And they're like, oh, isn't that just what the Democrats called like election fraud or whatever? It's like, so that, you know, they'll play those kind of games. But in the interview, there's several different layers of it happening where it's like, Tim Ballard is like, yeah, you know, this QAnon thing, like what we're talking about is like real, you know, child trafficking. And then I don't remember who brings up adrenochrome, but Tim Ballard basically lets Jim Caviezel sitting next to him talk about adrenochrome. And then not he doesn't say anything to be like, well, actually, you know, what's re the real thing is like organ harvesting or whatever. Um he kind of Tim Ballard seems to almost double down on it. He doesn't say adrenochrome, but he's like, he's like, yeah, there's like some like witch doctor. Oh, that's right. The dark magic. Uh, we had the debt where they're practicing dark magic to like, like ritualistically murder children. And I don't know if he goes as far as just saying to like extract something from them, like some kind of resource, like adrenochrome, but you he's can, basically saying. Well, you can put that the blood over your door to do better business. He said. <laughs> yeah, some something like that. So, so what I mean, what it is is that I definitely think Tim Ballard wants Jim Caviezel's presence in this marketing campaign to not just be like, oh, he's the Passion of the Christ guy. Like this is a great you know marketing tool for our movie. It's because Jim Caviezel is one of the only like mainstream celebrities to like quadruple down on his belief in QAnon. I mean. And I think that, you know, not to say that Jim Caviezel is like a bad actor. I, I think he's, you know, relatively good actor. It makes sense to cast him in this movie. But what doesn't make sense is to let your lead actor sound completely mentally unhinged in, in all these public appearances and then just like not do anything to shut it down, not do anything to be like, hey, can you not mention like everything, everything else you mentioned is cool. We love it. But the just, barrels stop talking about adrenochrome. So the fact that nobody's like done that to him is telling in and of in and of itself. It's like they want him to be drumming up that hysteria. And it's it's not even I wouldn't even say it's a kind of like wink or anything like that. It's like very blatant. So yeah. I guess the the shield Tim Ballard has is he could say, well, I've never promoted QAnon. And it's like, well, your lead actor is and you're encouraging it. You know, it's yeah. like so which 
you know, you can't, it's like, what you can't have it both ways. Well, then let's go back to this. I mean, Jim Caviezel says Tim Ballard is the one who taught him about adrenochrome. When he first spoke at that stupid QAnon conference, he said, oh, they've been talking to me about this. Like, it's always funny that these Hollywood people never learn it when they're in Hollywood. You know, they never see the adrenochrome shit then, even though Jim Caviezel was a high paid actor. But yeah, he literally <laughs> says, I learned it from Tim Ballard, essentially. So it's like, Tim Ballard's more into it than he says, you know what I mean? And I think that it's crazy that, yeah, they're letting him go do these pressers where he's just saying these things. And I, I think, um, you know, what do you think it means when even like Steve, well, they're all star fuckers, obviously. But like, what do you think it means when like Steve Bannon is willing to let him sit there and talk about like barrels of body parts and shit like that? What is that worth to them? Because that sounds so stupid. I mean, on one hand, it sounds stupid to people who are more serious about this kind of stuff. If I was but a fascist, other- I'd be insulted. <laughs> but on the other hand, it sounds great. And it's like exactly what a certain particular type of audience wants to hear. They want to hear about things like how if you buy a $20,000 you know, refrigerator on Wayfair, what you're actually buying is like a secretly like a child. Like that is for some reason, this has become sort of the top of the priority list for what really gets certain people excited about either their engagement with politics or their lens of looking at the world. And I don't fully understand it, but it, I mean, it does seem like there is a lot of value in that in terms of like, if he just went on there and had like a normal interview, I would say the movie probably wouldn't have sold as many tickets. Like I have like that. I have to look at that. Honestly, like that is what must be driving some of the ticket sales is there are people going into this movie who believe that you can buy a barrel of body parts to, you know, harvest adrenochrome from mother's wombs or whatever he was saying in the interview. So, I mean, I think there real there there are a lot of true believers out there who, when they hear that kind of stuff, they are like, he is he is putting his life on the line to tell the truth. Like this is a brave patriot. Like they're like the deep state's going to try to destroy him. Like that is how. You know, and it's a similar paradigm to Trump. It's a similar paradigm to a lot of things we've seen in the last three years. But I would say this is the first this is the first movie to be like, what if we created this paradigm to make it seem like the movie, if the movie isn't doing well or if it gets critical, like negative reviews, then it's because the deep state is trying to stop it. Like that's a valuable marketing tool too. Cause it's like, it's like any criticism of it can be like, well, no, that you're just like trying to like suppress it. Cause you're like part of the deep state or you're sympathetic to it. It's the um, Gotti movie strategy. <laughs> Did that have that the strategy going along? With it? Yeah. It was like, Oh, all the like lib critics say it sucks and you don't want to see it. I think you do. <laughs> <laughs> it was fake news. <laughs> I didn't see that movie. So I don't, I don't know. Is, is that the movie about need- John? Yeah, that's the one with uh, Travolta. Yeah, you don't need to. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I remember that. That was great. I remember seeing parts of it and be online and be, being like, I got to watch this. But um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, go ahead. Nathan, you had something? Yeah, just that like, so uh, James and I saw some of Tim Ballard's previous, like we saw his movie uh, Operation Toussaint from 2018 which uh, was supported by the Haitian presidents and former U.S. Congresswoman Mia Love of Utah. Um, That was so boring and told us nothing about what Tim Ballard was doing in Haiti, didn't show any operations or whatever. 
we never ended up seeing the TV show The Abolitionist from 2016. But what's interesting about this media, including Sound of Freedom, the movie that I just saw, is it's so it's so boring and badly paced. And the documentary is not the Sound of Freedom, but the the more documentary stuff where Tim Ballard's in the middle of it doesn't tell you anything. And so all the media hype is around Jim Caviezel saying unhinged stuff. What's that about? I mean, I don't know. I mean, you have two different lanes operating here. I mean, you have this attempt for Operation Underground Railroad to really inflate its image and specifically Tim's image by, it seems like they had a hand in making both of those things you talked about. Like it wasn't, it didn't seem like those were both like independent, you know, like let's, let's do a doc about this guy because he's such a hero. They, they seemed like they were produced in part by under operation underground railroad. So having said that, they, I mean, I, I would agree. They didn't, they don't really do a good job of like drumming up much excitement, um, much interest, anything juicy in the sense of like, what, like how hardcore does this get? Like what, you know, show us like what's really, you're really talking about here. Um, So that, that's, I mean, maybe, so maybe in part it's like, well, it's, is not working guys. We're not, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to push this sort of on a more moderate track you know, uh, we're not trying to reach the Q and honors, but maybe like we should now. I mean, that that's one of the only things I can think of of why that what you're talking about occurred, where they don't really have a history of being like like hardcore Q and on dog whistling like Jim Caviezel's doing. I mean, that that definitely seems like a big shift in a different direction from what they're sort of known for doing. So I don't really have an answer for that other than maybe they were just like, let's give this a shot. Like this makes sense. Um, but then they're also, you know, then I get more conspiratorial and think, well, there's obviously greater forces behind trying to get all these people in this country to believe in QAnon. You know, Trump is promoting it now. People like Michael Flynn are promoting it. I don't really know what to make of it. I mean, so that that's when I it becomes a head scratcher for me is like, is this part of some broader attempt to do something or is it just this? guy tim ballard in this movie and this marketing engine behind it has just managed you know to kind of catapult this energy um and get people really sort of you know feeling like they're warriors trying to stop the deep states child trafficking or something like that it's i don't know it's a pretty sick movie honestly it's actually like a literally it's a disgusting movie the scenes that are like displayed are gross they make you feel weird there's no action it's a piece of shit it's literally like it's like watching the first 48 where the guy like tells in the first 10 minutes, you know what I mean? It's the most boring movie I've ever seen as far as an action movie. But I think that one thing is like, that sticks out to me is, you know, they have a desperation to compete with Hollywood. That's why they're touting that they beat Indiana Jones seven or whatever, you know, on a Tuesday. Again, they didn't beat it. I think that's something that's important to remember is like, they didn't really like beat the box office opening. They beat Indiana Jones on a Tuesday after it was released on a Friday, you know, on like the holiday weekend. So uh-huh. They want to compete with Hollywood, obviously, but I think that another thing that's come up recently is like this weird model of ticket sales where I'm not sure, like, have you seen anybody reporting that theaters are empty or theaters are all full or what as far as people's response to the movie? Because when I went in, obviously, I saw the end and the barcode or the fucking QR code that Jim Caviezel says, oh, scan this. Don't worry that you're in a theater. Pull out your phone, be obnoxious and take a picture of this. And then you can buy tickets to pay it forward. 
And I, when I watched the live launch later, they had the live tickets like clicking off on the side, like, oh, someone just bought four tickets in Iowa or whatever, you know? And it's like, do you think that's what's driving these massive sales is because they probably got the diehards and they're all on weekend one, right? I mean, they had to have. If you know this movie, you know you've been waiting five years for this movie. Yeah, that's another thing about it. It's been shelved. Uh, it was finished. I think it was completely wrapped. Everything wrapped about it in 2021. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that that's why I said on paper, it seems to be doing very well at the box office. However, if you're just looking at the box office numbers, those are those are only counting tickets sold. And this movie has sold a lot of tickets. But what it's not counting is how many people are sitting in those seats that were sold. And that's one of the more fascinating parts about it is I don't know if you can even unless you have like middle management at these AMC theaters, like watching for that. I don't even know how anyone could really track how many people are attending these screenings for the, you know, the sold out seats. So that's right. an open question. And I've gotten mixed reports. I got reports from people who are in the Midwest saying that their screenings were sold out um, and they were full on the first opening night. I got other, uh, I talked to someone else who's from the Bay area uh, in California is really close to where I live that said that um, they went on opening night. And that even though the theater online said it had been completely sold out, all the seats were taken. Um, it was completely empty. Uh, they were the only ones there. So I've heard multiple reports. Um, and then I've just heard other, like, you know, the, the you know, there's, there's, there was, it was a decent audience. Like people were like, yeah, there's, there's a few people regularly showing up for the screenings. But what, the, the other thing that I heard, um, and you've probably been hearing about this as well, is that people are having their own conspiracy theories about why yeah, yeah. they are empty when they go and see this. So there'll be people being like, they're trying to sabotage this movie because I'm the only one in here. Well, um, but what they don't know is that there is some kind of AstroTurf, this pay it forward campaign you're describing that is basically filling up all these theaters uh, with purchase tickets, but not a whole lot of people, not like not. I mean, so in terms of the percentage of people who are actually showing up to these seats that have been purchased, I can't say, but it definitely seems like I would say it's probably below 75%. So yeah, they, they sold those tickets and they could count that at the box office, but you know, it's, when people are, they don't, it's like, there's no tally for like, well, how many people are actually showing up, you know, mission impossible five or whatever. doesn't be like, we sold this many tickets, but only like half the people showed up. You know what it's like? It's like, um, you're actually Jimmy Levy, your boy, your fucking Twitter Abby. It's like that. It's number one, number one song. Like, where on itunes where you purchase each song for 99 cents like you do you know everybody's doing that of course like no this nobody's bought music like this in 13 years man like that it doesn't count but it's the same thing i feel like is going on here where like yeah this is an astroturf thing and they know the biggest rubes with the deepest pockets are the people who are going to love this fucking movie because those are the people who go spend ten thousand dollars on a quilt signed by michael flynn or whatever you know what i mean these are boomers and they have the money to do so and I, I think it is important to, like, I learned recently that it was picked up by Fox Latin America. That's how they managed to make it under the 21st Century Fox umbrella. I did not That's think weird. an American executive would pick this up. I couldn't figure it out for the life of me, but they were picked up by Fox's Latin American branch because it was all filmed down there, I guess. And then when Disney bought it, they were like, yeah, we don't want this. So 
it seems that it's been impossible for them to get it out. I was actually, when I got the email for the uh, fundraising campaign, it was like, um, I pledged to give them a thousand dollars because it was like pre-promised to pledge money if we get it going. So I promised a bunch of money that I wasn't going to give them, but it was a strange way of fundraising. It wasn't even originally like a fundraiser. It was like, will you give money later? You know what I mean? And yeah. now I see they're still doing the same shit. They're sending me emails still. Um, here, they sent me an email today. Let's see if I can bring this up. Right. Well, there's definitely an evangelism aspect to the whole thing. Even yeah. if videos is not like, you know, this is an overtly Christian or religious movie. It, there's a there's a sort of a evangelism to the whole process. This you become an activist and a participant in like spreading the message. Oh my god, um, they call it the new Uncle Tom's Cabin. Yeah. So offensive. I mean, there's yeah. they, they've they've gone out of their way to use as many like black slavery historical terms as they can to describe their own movement. That's another interesting part about it. And you know, I I know people who are Mormon, I know some ex-Mormons, I know people who are still would consider themselves part of the Mormon church, but I think there's it's no denying that historically Mormonism has been and I should say Tim Ballard is a, a Mormon. Uh, Angel Studios seems to be a Mormon sort of centric studio. It's in Utah. Mormonism yeah. has historically been very, very racist, specifically towards black people in this country. Um, they didn't even include uh, people in any of their higher ranks in the church who were black until 1979. So the segregation in like Mormonism uh, is pretty extreme. So I, I don't know if Tim that's Ballard what, is like. That's what the Iranian revolution was about what the mormonism they wanted black people to be in the clergy no exactly. i'm just <laughs> so so yeah it's um it's just it's just, it's an odd thing that tim ballard is trying to do when he keeps talking you know even the organization operation underground railroad uh so and so is the new harriet tubman i mean i've heard people like describe him this way and stuff and it's like what do they, you know, why do they keep doing that over and over again? I mean, I think it's just a the overall strategy is to be like, oh, you're one of these woke motherfuckers who's still talking about slavery. Well, we're talking about the real slavery that's happening now. Like, you do something about this, not that shit that happened like 300 years ago. It's, well, I, I mean, I think it's generally trying to sort of go into that zone. One thing that was interesting about the stuff you dug up, right, was Ballard used to be he told this bullshit story about the girl he supposedly rescued who's like, oh, if only there had been a border wall, I would have never been trafficked, you know? And now he tells this story of like, you had that recording of it on, uh, I believe it was part three of your OUR series, where you have Tim Ballard saying like, oh, I busted these guys from Norway from like the pedophile party or whatever. And this oh, is, yeah. you know, now he's using it for what seems like an anti-LGBT agenda at this point. He's changed it up a little bit, but he's still in the culture war, but he tries to do it in a more sophisticated seeming way. There's an extra step that he takes that to me, it's kind of scary because I think that it could be effective. Uh, not because I think it's like legitimate or it's good rhetoric, but he's, it seems like he's put more thought into this than the average conservative who is leaning into that link, trying to link pedophile and LGBT stuff together. And and he basically said it this way that, you know, I'm familiar with these, you know, these these real pedophile groups and he he name drops a real one, which I had to look it up because I'd never heard of him before, which is an actual political party in Norway that 
that somehow cropped up. They didn't have any like standing in the Norway parliament, but they were like trying to be like a pro pedophilia party to say that like any, any person has like all rights at like age 13, including like sexual consent, which is not, I mean, yeah, that's pretty fucked up, but that's also not like the party wasn't saying like, you should be able to legally molest children even though they are, you know, arguably a pedophile party. Right. So, no, it's not so like what, the UN like coming to your door and be like, give us your kid or whatever, like Alex yeah. Jones describes. Yeah. So his his way of linking it with the LGBT movement was like, you know, I see rhetoric coming from these these uh, these real pedophile groups like this political party in Norway that they they don't even have to do any of their work anymore to like groom kids and 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 sway people into into believing in their message because the LGBT movement is like doing it for them. So his basically he's saying that the rhetoric that like smart or more sophisticated pedophiles use to try and coerce children into sex or sexual ideas is somehow the same as like LGBT cultures sort of messaging. Um, and I thought that was interesting because I could see more people being being like, aha, like there's he's there's something to what he's saying, whereas just like the more rat, you know. I guess more emotionally driven people who have already gone to the place of being like that rainbow flag means you're a groomer. Like those people are right. already convinced or whatever, but there's, I think there's definitely some other more fence sitting people who, when they hear that they might start to be swayed by it. So maybe he's giving a preview of like the way this is going to sort of evolve moving, you know, moving forward in the future. I don't know. I honestly don't know um, what his, what his deal is, but it's clear that he has no problem linking to the QAnon movement, the very homophobic sort of conflation of pedophilia with simply being gay or trans or being pro-gay or trans. So he's leaning into both of those sides of things. And I don't know if it's just because he's an ideologue and he, maybe he's going to make more money off of pushing those things or what, you know, I, I don't know. Um, but I mean, he did have an official post in the Trump administration he is a homeland ex homeland security guy. Previous to that, he was in the CIA. Um, so you, you just gotta wonder, you know. And Operation Underground Railroad itself operates more or less in the same way like a Blackwater operates, except in some ways even more opaque. Like there's less we can discern from who would... instructs Operation Underground Railroad. How do they work with law enforcement <laughs> in other countries? How do they have all these connections? It's not. It's it's kind of weird. I mean, Blackwater achieves more actual objectives. I'd say Blackwater has done actual things. Yeah, not good, but they've done more actual real things. Uh I think that is like the thing that's Nathan and I discussed this when we first touched on this stuff. It was like, look, when you go to a country like Haiti or like, you know, somewhere like the Dominican Republic or whoever, and you offer a broke ass police force, like uh, all this stuff, like uh, computer equipment and, you know, the dogs. And I got and we know a guy who raised his family raised one of these dogs these stupid ass hard drive sniffing dogs i don't know how real that is a dog to sniff out a hard drive do all hard drives smell like a certain look he knows the ones with child abuse material on them no this is i mean do you know of these dogs have you heard about them i was uh... trying well i I was gonna go and i was gonna like talk about them on the podcast it is i was i got confused i mean i guess i'll just say it now what i was gonna say is like there's so many ways you can store data. What do they do? Do they train the dogs to like smell every type of removable media? Like That's... CDRs, what brands of CDR, like every USB thumb drive. 
material. Right. I mean, are they making USB thumb drives that have like fucking like three D printed like like people like there's like art like art object you know thumb drive like you know like I don't That's, I don't know just the concept doesn't make sense to me. So this has been my thought too. I feel like it's total bullshit, but like nobody's really looked into if that's bullshit. And I will say that like <laughs> th- there's something up when you're like selling the dogs to law enforcement agencies through your essential oil partner. Like that doesn't oh, even that, make any fucking sense. Yeah, they're it was, selling. Um, what's that company du- called? Duterra. Yeah, Duterra. The essential Duterra. oils, but yeah. And I mean, the whole essential oils thing is interesting too because Mormons love uh, those MLMs. And there's also sort of a new agey aspect to it too that sort of bleeds into, you know, if you want to call it the left or not. I mean, like you can find people like on Instagram, especially during the peak of QAnon, who are like these LA mm-hmm. influencer, like health nut, you know, um, influencers who would push stuff like essential oils and and those kind of holistic things, um, but also like be pushing QAnon. I mean, it, it's sort of there's a weird, you know. So I, I don't know. I mean, there's definitely under Operation Underground Railroad and who they associate with. There is a strange network there that like definitely deserves a lot more digging because I I mean, I feel like I just barely scratched the surface on it. I, mean, I told there was the OUR allegation that they hired a spirit medium on one operation. That was the I one in Haiti. That was the one in Haiti. That was the one in oh, Haiti where they said Marty Gardy or whatever was coming back to his dad. They called his dad, had him ready to pick up his kid. And based on the word of a psychic, that was actually what the second rescue in the movie is supposedly loosely based on, going to the far oh, no village. Way. Yeah. So this is a kid in Haiti who Ballard used a psychic. I believe there was a reporter on the raid with them or whatever, but they went to a village and essentially no everyone was like, no, this kid's not here. And they chased him out. But that's part of like what the second story pulls from is this Marty Gardy kid. And they they marketed merch with that kid's name on it for years and years and years afterwards. But this is some Haitian wow. kid who got abducted from a church down in Haiti. He was an American citizen, and they just bullshit the dad along for years about getting him back. So they're really just and, terrible people at the end of the day, too. Like, that's something to remember. And, like, here, if you see the shared screen, like, you check out some of these if you're going to keep following them. I mean, these seminars sound great. <laughs> yeah, I didn't actually watch battle. any of those, are those, the, those seminars, uh, but I'll definitely uh, keep Yeah, these are just coming up. The first one's tomorrow. So, yeah, I can email. I can forward this to you later if you want. But, yeah. It's they're still doing this stuff. And what's crazy is like after the investigations by like AGs and stuff, I was still getting text messages like we're having a ten thousand dollar plate dinner, you know, and like they're still just blatantly doing this. I mean, what do you think? Do you think it's because they're in the Mormon Death Star of Utah that they can't be touched or think they can't be touched? Because, I mean, it seems like it's a church. It's like the papal states over there. I mean, I would say uh, Mormonism as like a political movement in the United States doesn't have, you know, like a, what are, who are we talking about? Like Mitt Romney, Harry Reid, they're Mormons, but Glenn Beck. you know, I, what do you say? Glenn Beck. Oh, Glenn Beck as well. I would say Glenn Beck is probably the first example I saw of like, is he some kind of arm of the late church of later day saints who are trying to gain more specific political inroads or is he, just a hardcore Mormon who happens to have these views. Um, but this feels different to me. This, th- I mean, I, I don't know. It could be some kind of secret later Latter-day Saints, um, like mechanism that's like trying to plug in more somehow to like the new version of American politics, like the, 
you know, the sort of Trump post Trump era. And, you know, that that to me would be very bizarre if that was happening, because that's kind of in a weird way, kind of loops back to how the Mormon church started as like a very radical acting, controversial religious group that was like, that was very persecuted and did get like themselves into a lot of trouble for, um, you know, they would even push abolitionism when it was unpopular to push, even though it didn't even seem like Joseph Smith was actually like anti-slavery. It almost seemed like he was doing it just to like gain the ire of like local communities that were not abolitionists. So there's like that, that interest too about the whole. I think he likes showing he was better, honestly. And you can tell they were unpopular because they live in the middle of a desert by an undrinkable lake that shows you're not popular. You drink (laughs) it. You're in the middle of nowhere and you call it Zion. You try and lie to yourselves. (laughs) You know, and the other aspect is like, okay, there's this weird Catholic shit. And obviously over the last few years, you know, you did a series and I I unfortunately don't think we'll get to tonight, but you talked about Tucker recently um, about Tucker Carlson leaving Fox and some of the sort of left wing people kind of went along with him or whatever, who, or who love him now. Um, I think that you see this among these like trad cath weirdos and these kind of like, they're sort of Caviezel esque. They won't necessarily go into the blood libel stuff, but like, what do you think like the danger is of like these mixes together, like this young, cre- like fascist Christian and then like this boomer, like do they see the boomers as just kind of like they did on January 6th as like bodies they can move? Like is the younger right even concerned about this dumbass movie? Because like they don't seem like they care. That's a really good question. I mean, I would say that what's more scary to me about it, what's more concerning is that they're definitely, there's definitely a lot of money and and deliberate effort being put into trying to create like a a a small like a power block out of sort of those three things you talked about and it doesn't seem to be organic to me like the some of it's organic but it also you know it kind of reminds me of like things like peter Thiel or like mencius moldbug or sort of like the that sort of sphere of political thought where it's like you know, these people have openly said they don't really believe in freedom anymore. They don't think if a democracy can can exist for that long. Um, and they have sort of, you know, I don't know. The, I think the thing about the Catholic Church that interests me is some of the ways that I was introduced in my my lifetime to like what I would describe as sort of like anti-Semitic dog whistle conspiracies was through the same branch of the Catholic Church that Mel Gibson's father came from Um, over here. I grew up with a guy in the Bay area who was an altar boy until he was uh, 17 years old or like 16 years old. And he was part of this church out of, I believe Los Gatos, California that had a very popular priest there who would do these sermons that, that would, they would sell them on tape. And I still have some of the tapes actually, because they're just so crazy where he talks all about Freemasons. Um, but he talks about it in such a way where now knowing now what I know about politics, like it's, there's definitely some like anti-Semitic coding in it, in his rhetoric. So, you know, that, so I was already familiar with sort of that being like existing within uh, more, I, I don't know if we would call it fundamentalist branches of the Catholic church, but this specific one, the society of St. Pius X um, that I was aware of uh, was also one of the first times that I learned about like a real priest that I knew about getting taken down for child molestation as well. So the same, 
a priest that I was just mentioning, um, he was arrested for, I think, sexual abuse on like a nine-year-old girl at some point. And then he, he broke, he, he somehow beat the charges, but then he's basically like, not like he wasn't practicing anymore in California. So they relocate, he kind of relocated to a different. I mean, um, to be honest, mainstream Catholicism, like just got past anti-Semitism in like 1995. Like that wasn't that long ago that that was like, (laughs) we're taking that out. You know, it was like a whole, the whole Israel normalization has over through like the seventies and late seventies into the eighties. And in the nineties, it was like by the nineties, the Catholic church was finally like, okay, we'll make our policy, you know, it's not, you're keeping the seat warm for us or whatever, which was the old policy. Like, But I mean, hey, at least that's more honest, yeah. right? So yeah, Nathan, go well, ahead. Yeah, it feels like they're trying to bring it back in, in, a, in, a, in a way that is more acceptable. I mean, I was honestly, I'll be honest, I was skeptical, especially when some of these like more Russiagator libs were the ones saying it, where they're like, there's like people trying to inject like overt classic anti-Semitic tropes into like the political sphere now in ways that really haven't been done in a while and you know the george soros thing there's a part of me that's like that is really kind of overplayed that people are like that's anti-semitic to like mention george soros but like i started seeing enough other things where i'm like no there is something like someone is like really trying to like inflame this for some reason and i i don't i i mean i can't deny it anymore it's it's very apparent to me that you know it's it's kind of coming in a lot of different ways. So, you know, whether it be QAnon, some of these more extreme trad Catholics, more you know, these Mormons. Um, I mean, Jim Caviezel is, I, I would say that from what he said on the Steve Bannon show, like he definitely seems like he's been dabbling pretty heavily in like the Rothschilds, the bloodline stuff, which at a certain point you're like, come on, dude, like that's not even, it's not even code anymore, you know? So um, anyways. Yeah, he's not coherent enough to spit it out, but he definitely like spits bloodlines in here and there. You know what he's talking about when he says it. <laughs> yes, precisely. Yeah, I mean, on the topic of international religion and uh, Americans going to other countries and doing who knows what, I mean, like, there's always scandals around missions overseas done by the U.S. and Canada. Um this is true of Mormonism and evangelicalism. And it just seems like, like when I was trying to do research, like when this movie was supposed to come out like forever ago, and we were doing research in preparation for that, I was trying to look through like news sources and about the operation in Colombia, for example, and just trying to do Google translate of Spanish local newspapers. And like, it just seems like, missionaries or anyone with a lot of money can go overseas and just get away with whatever. And it will take over a decade for people to like figure out what they actually did over there. What's up with that? That seems tied to imperialism, which is something you've done a lot of research and coverage on and also the failure of journalism to cover it. Like what, what do you make of that? Well, I, what I make of that is it's almost like it's for the same reason why, like, the Democrats like would never like fully investigate like Bush for torture because in, on some level there's a complicity that many of them share in, in that era. And I do think that when you boil it down enough, it's like, because what you're saying can act as a vehicle for many different things can act as a vehicle for, you know, even like a corporation, if they're clever enough could, hire a religious group to go out and do a missionary somewhere to be able to like 
you know, gain some kind of inroad in their industry in that particular country. Um, could be used as a vehicle for regime change. It could be the used whole as a Chiang Kai shek for- lobby, you know, during the you know Chinese Revolution. Yeah, was tons of missionaries over there. Yeah, so the I mean, I'm I'm not particularly familiar with that, but the but there's so many ways that it can be used. So I mean, that's what makes me question if like Operation Underground Railroad is doing these like almost like spectacular stunt shows to generate all this publicity, but then they're actually they have this real access to these other countries, these paramilitary, you know, groups of people that they were all these ex Navy SEALs, all these ex CIA people. And it does make me wonder what they're, if there's anything underneath what they're actually up to. I mean, maybe there isn't, Um, you know, I, I, but it does sure seem like a good way or mechanism to like, you know, establish some kind of other hidden agenda of some kind. Um, So yeah, and I would say, like, even if they're not, like, even if they're not necessarily directly working for anybody, they're doing pretty much the bidding of the State Department by, like, oh, look at these places are out of control, they're lawless, and, like, this is, I mean, the Sound of Freedom was, like, that was the most racist fucking shit I've ever seen. Every time Latin American kids are, like, free and happy, they just start making, like, they just start doing rhythm on their legs and, like, clapping and shit like that. It's like, oh, they're so musical when they're free. It's like, bro, this is, this sucks. And, like, it's just out there because it's like you know most of the shit isn't true but the thing is is like i guess we'll let this one be the last kind of thing here but like the response to anyone saying anything about this fucking movie robbie god damn it if you do not like this movie if you have a criticism about tim ballard what do people say you want to get into it this has been the most amusing uh, part but the most frustrating yeah that if you don't if you're not on board with this movie you're you're basically a pedophile or you're just someone who is enabling pedophilia or who's okay with it. Um, I would say the more moderate or more like kind of, you know, less hardcore people are the ones who would be like, well, you know, maybe not a pedophile, but you are like, you're okay with pedophilia. Like, you're afraid okay. to face it. Yeah. That's what they'll say. Yeah. And that's maybe that's probably the mildest response that I've gotten. Um, so yeah, no, it's interesting to see it go to that extreme. I mean, but again, I mean, that is kind of like what QAnon and, and Pizzagate before it sort of have created that path where I think it's it's basically your political enemies are now essentially pedophiles. Um, but then if you kind of zoom out from that, it really is, I think the most interesting thing about it is they've figured out a way to, it's almost like they've made pedophilia seem like it's partisan so that yeah. we forgot yeah. about people like Dennis Hassert, forgotten about Roy Moore. We've forgotten about all these other examples of how many like right wing politicians like wow. Trump, Epstein was involved with. And they think Q found Epstein. I mean, they literally yeah. think Q did that, or or that Ryan Dawson did that, or whatever people want to say about the Chester the, Bennington. Uh, yeah. So there's, you know, I I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know where we go from there in terms of how to like roll that back. But you know, it's probably just. You know, we're in one of those, um, I don't know what you call it, but like, I think we're still in like peak where the rhetoric is still like just completely, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think reading like the history of the Birchers recently, it shows me that like that this can definitely just go in like massive cycles and like none of these people will ever go away, you know. 
And I don't know that that yeah. until the government or like until the state or like the actual like authorities that govern them that, that they vote for and who they hope will make their lives better, maybe do something to make their lives better. Obviously, none of this is going to go away, you know, and I don't know how you even get people who are so that, you know, that deep. Um, I'm curious. Like, I don't know how this whole like I don't know how Mormons are going to mesh with Catholics. We're going to mesh with psycho, you know, tongue speaking Protestants. None of this makes sense to me as a Catholic. I wouldn't hang out with a Mormon. I don't understand it, but this this coalition is so strange to me. I said it back in 2012. I was like, I don't know who the Glenn Beck guy is, but I don't trust him because he's a Mormon. Like I thought that was normal. You know what I mean? But as you see now, like even evangelicals are breaking away from the like brick and mortar churches to go for more like online or like street revivals and stuff like that. Do you think that just this is where religion is now. You just can just hyper consume your own religion down to like whatever you want. And sometimes you end up under a big tent like Donald Trump. And sometimes you just, I don't know, shoot up the Hoover Dam or whatever. Well, I think it's, I mean, I think it's making, making a distinction between some of the more mild, you know, religious groups that may have hold political views, but they're not like involved in like political evangelism or activism versus the groups who are, because it does seem like the groups that are, definitely have more of a mentality of like let's all get together to like you know the enemy of my enemy is is my friend like that seems to be more their strategy um similar to kind of what we saw during like the the trump maga movement where all these seemingly completely all over the place factions of of the right-wing movement all kind of joined together under this larger umbrella um so i think it's i would say so when it comes to those kinds of religious groups it seems like those groups are more interested in some kind of making some kind of political inroad in the country whether they're anti-abortion groups or they're whatever whatever the specific issue it is they want to push on like a low level i guess middle management level and then maybe some of them are actually well some of them definitely are being used as tools for you know some bigger political entities in the united states well most of catholics are protestants i mean they don't like to admit it, but they're Protestants. They they don't care that like the people they're with would hang their pope if they got the chance. They don't give a shit. You know, they don't like him either. You know, they're not fans of him either. They think he's a fake pope. All of a sudden, they're all like anti-Vatican too, even though they all love John Paul and shit like that. They're like, no, no, 60s never counted. So that is what the weird thing is. But the fucking craziest thing to me is like, no, okay, fine. You got the Catholics, you got the evangelicals and like all these other Protestants. And then... You have Tim Ballard next to them, a man who believes Jesus Christ came back to speak to like the Mayans and tell them that they were the lost tribe of Israel. That's after he dies in Israel, comes back, talks to the Native Americans, starts a war between like lost tribes of Israel here. Like this doesn't fit. I get that this is a very Americanized Christianity, but like how does this fit? How does this continue on without anybody being like, what is this? Because I don't understand. Like they've integrated so many weird sects with Mormonism is just like it's so out there. It's an extra book. This is fake. Like I don't get it. I I don't know how they managed to maintain their presence here without cutting off their own corners. You know, making it seem like they're softer. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's something. There could be some sort of magical moment for them. You know, maybe maybe it makes sense for the Mormons specifically in this country to be the ones trying to plug more into QAnon because there is such a fantastical thinking aspect to it that doesn't you know that QAnon itself isn't rooted in a particular telling of the bible either it just seems to be wanting to open people's minds make them question things to the point where you you really a lot of these people probably have very elastic thinking 
mentality. Maybe they even over time change the wiring of their brain so that everything becomes a conspiracy. When the AC turns off at Sound of Freedom, it's a conspiracy. Yeah. The movie when the concession stand has a long line, it's a conspiracy so that they miss the first 10 minutes of Sound of Freedom. I mean, it's, you know, every so you have to wonder if there is like that, oh, yeah. that could be the moment for the Mormons to jump in and be like, hey, we got this extra book. It's it's actually all about how America is like the new, you know, new Israel. So like, hey, like this is you're going to you guys are going to like this shit. Like you need to I'm, check this out. Yeah, I'm going to tell you it, it would fit be a much better. <laughs> yeah, it would fit a much better. They would like it because it, it totally like, you know, it retcons like why we're here and why we're allowed to do the shit we're doing. So they would like it, but it's just a bit too weird, I think. It is. Yeah. I mean, but, uh, but I could see them using that. I could see them using yeah. that. I mean, that's good. That might work for us, but I, I don't know. I mean, it is curious to see any sort of Mormon figure this big. Like I would say Tim Ballard seems to be someone with a big standing within like the overall Mormon movement. I mean, just by looking into his past, um, you know, I don't know if he's been like endorsed by the actual church itself in any form, but just in terms of the larger movement itself. And then, you know, there's like even a lot of like um, little branches of like libertarian media coming from Mormonism besides Glenn Beck. You know, right, I right. guess since Glenn Beck, but it's like was Glenn Beck ever ever even really a libertarian in the sense that uh, maybe I understood it back in the early two thousands? He was doesn't Alex seem Jones like, like Alex Jones style libertarian, the best you could say. Yeah, so I mean, it's it is really curious, and I mean, I find the whole Mormon the history of Mormonism really fascinating. I would like to see. I mean, it would almost be exciting to see them try to like enter politics more just because of how weird it would be, you know, like I would be like, wow, that's fucking great. Like crazy. Like, yeah, you think because I think if like, especially now with like the exposure they get online, like all the ex Mormons and stuff like that who are out there on social media, I think they may be facing like a more uphill battle with that because people already know it's weird. It's just like you got to remind children that it's weird, too. You know, once they're in, yeah. they might not be as happy. Yeah, I mean, it is a hard pill to swallow. I'd be, I mean, maybe like trying to like get conservatives to like believe in scientology where some of them probably would be susceptible to it but there's yeah there's so much like already existing knowledge that it's pretty fucking out there um but you know i don't know i don't know what the mormons mormon seem, church seems to have a lot of money still at its disposal so that you know that always can get a lot gain a lot of influence so never underestimate um, i mean it's yeah it's the home of mlms in utah it's the home of fintech in the united states in utah it's a truly a demonic place from what I can gather. <laughs> One of the largest <laughs> landowners of any institution in the U.S. Yeah. Oh, is that so? Interesting. <laughs> I they took our the job. Stats, they took yeah, our they role. Yeah, they took our role. We were supposed to be the landowning church. Piece of shit. <laughs> now they're beating us for fucking missions in Latin America too, these assholes. But <laughs> I would tell you, um, no, well, I guess that's a good place to stop. This is really good. I, I will tell you, watch Infidel with Jim Caviezel. Because I think yes. as, a ge as a geopolitics guy, that one will absolutely fucking fry your brain. It's, yeah, you, you, you have you seen it yet? I, I thought you might have seen it already. Maybe. I have not seen it yet, but I'm, I'm, I read all about it. I mean, like, because it was, yeah. it's it was the Dinesh production. one of the two movies he made about that basically seemed to be like some kind of Iranian regime change. Okay. You know, probably films. He starts out by saying he loves Jesus in Egypt. From there. He is kidnapped by unclear Muslims. Maybe Hezbollah. He, maybe yeah, we were debating this. When we yeah, saw it could. Be. He says they're Hezbollah. Or he asks if they're Hezbollah, but then he's taken by 
an apolitical Kurd who's really not interested in getting in the middle of any of this. He just wants to deliver them to Iraq. <laughs> and then they go through like a PMU in Iraq and somehow end up back in Iran, even though this Kurd does not give a shit. And they turn over to the Iranian government where his wife joins the Christian underground resistance of all women to go wow. free him. It's that is pretty bad. I didn't know that last part. So that so it's all it's I mean the the Dinesh D'Souza thing is interesting because it's like people think of him as being like, oh, like An he's idiot. one of those Republicans like anti-war now or whatever, because he's like because all the Republicans, I guess, are anti the Ukraine proxy war for the reasons that I are not clear to me. But I mean, so but it's funny to see his name on something like that because it's like all these guys used to be you know, I'm into the Iranian change game and all the same stuff that what goes back to the Bush administration. Like it's not, bro. They, seeing... they didn't weed out all the neocons or, you know, it's it just the whole thing is just fascinating to me. Seeing Tucker being like the Patriot Act was meant to be used on Patriots. It's like, bro, you were on TV twenty years ago saying if you don't love the Patriot Act, you kiss Bin Laden. And like, <laughs> fuck you, man. I remember that shit. He said, if you don't want to bomb the shit out of Iraq, you're basically a terrorist yourself. Like. You were there, bro. Oh, I wish we could find those clips. I've tried. I've, yeah. I want to go back and like get every like hour of his television appearances back then. I have the but, one uh, saved where Hillary yeah. brings him out that big shoe cake or whatever. Yeah, because he said yep. he would eat his shoe. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, this has been great. I I would like to have you back and talk about Tucker sometime, man, if he'd be up for it. Because I think that's another thing that's. Sure. You've been covering great because like the crazy goofball anti-imperialist left with like the Russian fetish and shit, like. Drives me insane. And I think it drives you insane too, from what I've seen. Yeah. I mean, we might be coming from slightly different places on it, but I it does. I mean, I I just I think, think that it's it's I have zero tolerance for like the whole like, no, Tucker's getting my stuff out to like millions of viewers. It's like you you're really I just the whole monkey paw. It just reminds you of like the monkey paw, like folktale. Like yeah. you're making a wish that's going to like something really bad is going to happen. And for you like making it's a devil's bargain, like that's the best way you can look at it. You know, I guess I so. Do like the day after he got fired, every idiot was online just being like, yeah, he got fired because of me. He had me on too many times. That's why it's so all of them competing for like, I got Tucker fired, actually. Yeah. And OK. And now he's talking to Cobra Tate and shit like that. So I don't think he's, he's going to do well on Twitter. He's claiming now he got fired because. Or he's insinuating that he got fired because he was going to bring on like the chief of the Capitol Police to say that there were federal agents in the crowd. Yeah, I mean, well, duh. Okay. It's three quarters of your militias, dumbasses. Yeah. Do some opsec. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, ball. yeah. But then, on the other hand, that that woman who sued him, who was his former um, Booker, I think she had heard they settled with her, so she got a bunch of money from that. So maybe that. I mean. It did, did seem like it wasn't like a lawsuit with like no legs at all. So maybe that's something to do with it. And it's just like, who are you going to reveal that like the militias are infiltrated, that like Enrique Tario is a fed, you know, like who cares? Yeah, no, it's only, Ray, it's only Ray Epps. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Ray Epps. Tario. Not Bro, all those yeah. military intelligence the one who people. Got, the one who got exposed by Baked Alaska right before Baked went into the Capitol and Ray Epps didn't. Yeah. Got him. <laughs> he really tricked Baked Alaska there. Knew he and was apparently, Ray is being it. charged now with with um some, some felony. Yeah, I know he's I was like, pursuing lawsuits now. Against, he was like, doing, Fox he did that stuff, right yeah. before he got charged. Yeah, so like I don't know if they're like 
shit, we gotta like we gotta throw slaps of charges on you so like people stop. <laughs> I, I Maybe mean, he I is know. a fed. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, he probably is. Yeah, who, <laughs> that's what's like so infuriating <laughs> about it. It's just like, yeah, the dude's probably a fed, but like, yeah. Know. And I think that's the topic with everything is like people just really don't understand how the basic world works. Like they cannot for the life of them be like, well, this machine's complicated. Maybe I should put together like four or five parts instead of just one and two, you know? And they're like, no, A, B. They've been been woken, you know, which really in a a real sense, it just means that I think their brains have been more made elastic by the political climate. Instead of doing what you're talking about, they're like, they just latch on to the sort of breadcrumbs that are sort of put in front of them, you know, by these media apparatuses that basically all say the same shit. So it's. Yeah. And I think as nothing improves for them, the fucking excuses are going to get more and more outlandish. You know, it has to, it has to be more and more crazy things keeping them back because they can't actually see anything. You can say 10 million migrants rush across the border every day, but where the fuck are they? I don't see them, you know, like it's. So I think it's just, we're going to see more of them making shit up. It's going to be interesting to see where, Operation Underground Railroad goes because I think that Tim Ballard's left for the Spear Foundation or whatever. Now, let's see what the, the hell Nazi, that is. The Nazarene, oh, the Nazarene, fund. the Nazarene, Nazarene. Fund with Glenn Beck. That is another one I'd like to look into because that's the one supposedly saving people from Ukraine and Afghanistan and Syria. Yeah, was, it started that, at Syria. Yeah, I don't see any public publicity from them. But no, that is any publicity from them. I mean, so yeah. I, I, I didn't, I'm just going to throw this out there. This is not, I don't have any evidence to suggest this, but like, I do think the Israeli government is, is meddling in, into our political atmosphere to some degree. And I do wonder if people like Glenn Beck or like, you know, he does, I mean, he's, he's gotten all these like really exclusive interviews with like people high up in the Israeli government. It just makes me wonder if someone like him is like, is Glenn Beck involved in some of these weird, with some of these well, weird regimes? groups because that 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 fund you're talking about it looks kind of like one of those organizations to me so wasn't he involved with like the guy connected to dilbert somehow when dilbert ran it out to that Mossad guy yeah i didn't know that no i didn't i don't oh no that was matt gates that was a matt gates that was a matt gates investigation dilbert kicked that off that was scott adams who kicked that off on accident i guess yeah i mean glenn beck is a fascinating figure in and of himself but the blaze i'll just say is is definitely seems like some attempt to be like, you know, we're, we're branded libertarian, but we're actually like basically like to the right of Alex Jones, but like to the right, more neocon, like basically. Yeah. Um, So it's an interesting, I don't know. Tim Heidecker has done a good parody of them. I'd say the last like on cinema, like Oscar specials where he's like wearing the vest and shit like that, sitting out at the ranch. Those have been great. I would recommend those to anybody. Yeah. All right. Well, that was awesome, man. This has been a great conversation. Like, I don't know. I'm going to try and tempt you to release part four on Operation Underground Railroad. I definitely like to hear well, it. I definitely will. I'll just say for the for people who are interested in this series, I am having the editor of Sound of Freedom on as a guest. Oh. And I'm going to be asking him some very tough questions because he basically became, he reached, he just randomly replied to one of my Twitter threads, like defending the movie. So, he, and and he was awfully candid already. He said that uh he does he doesn't care for Tim Ballard playing into the QAnon thing. So he's already like seems pretty candid. So I'm hoping to like, you know, get some more information yeah. about what this is. And because he doesn't seem like he's like um a, a nut job or anything. I mean, his his credits seem pretty like normal on IMDb. Right, people gotta work. Yeah, you're in LA, yeah. you gotta work, right? I mean, I'd so like I'm to hoping talk to- it'd be an interesting conversation. 
anybody who's worked with Jim Caviezel directly contact me because I need to know how far gone that man is, how much, what the lightning strike did to his brain capacity and like what the fuck he's on. Cause I've heard rumors though. You've heard the QAA one where he's all about talking about Hitler on set, doing the Chinese eyes to the executive for NBC or whatever. And like, you know, no. he, gets, he gets fake guns taken away from him on the, his, um, what is the show called prime suspect or whatever. I was like, he, he was not so. allowed to use guns with blanks in him after some a point because he was hitting other actors with the, the firearms he wasn't allowed to drive on set after some point because he was running up over curbs and stuff in the car huh. uh, and it allegedly he needed all of his lines on like three by five index cards because he could not remember them that long oh uh, person of interest <laughs> yeah. yes that was it that was it yeah and that was, that was uh it looked like one of he was supposed to be on a show about navy seals after that but it looks like somebody sent the dailies right up to uh Moonves. And like, because it was one of the Nolan brothers who was going to do the seal show, I think. So the dailies for personal interest got up to Moonves like directly to him. And it'd be like, look how much this shit sucks. This guy's unhinged <laughs> and can't be trusted for another show. <laughs> I mean, that's, I, I would love to hear all that. Was that, you yeah. said that was a anonymous That was a Q anonymous one. one. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, okay, enter okay. the vortex. That's a classic one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I would wow. love to talk to people like that because that's why that makes so much sense to me because watching this movie where the only thing he does is like cry and like a tear rolls down his eye and then he says shit like never trust a pedophile and God's children are not for sale. <laughs> I'm beginning to think he has severe brain damage. I mean, he is, he very well could be, that could be a reason, but we should start looking through his IMDb credits to see like which side actors worked with them on like not these non wacky movies, like the regular movies he used to be in yeah to see if we can get because they might they probably had some weird experiences i'm sure that's true you could probably get some crew or something too i mean he was in a lot of movies he was in like thin red line and stuff like that i mean yeah, tim Ballard's favorite movie is count of monte cristo yeah which i have not seen yeah um, i probably will watch it at some point just to see what's going on but but yeah thank you for coming on man i really appreciate it and obviously um you know we'll put links in the description but everybody can find you at media roots radio and you can find that on um well, i found it on soundcloud way back in the day but it's on any podcast app i know you guys got a patreon where you can find more tucker info and more of this our stuff and i'm definitely listening so thanks man and uh, yeah we'd love to have you back sometime yeah thank you very much uh for having me uh, it was a great time um and i'd gladly come back all right whenever you want <laughs> In 1972, a crack commando unit, a crack commando unit, a crack, 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 crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade. This fool talked about no, 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 weapon. When punks start hassling decent people, I make it my business. It's crazy. Shut up, fool. Ain't nobody ever accomplished by being caught up in anything. All right, welcome back on the end from that interesting interview with Robbie Martin, who I definitely think we need to have back because there's a lot more to go over. But uh, first impressions, last impressions, I guess. Well, I think uh, he covered a lot of the weird, interesting rumors and online media selective edits of this and that, that uh, around Mel Gibson, around Tim Ballard, that's interesting that I hadn't heard of before, you know, in his, in uh, Martin's series. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely gone pretty far down a strange rabbit hole even one that i wasn't fully watching because i mean you can only watch so many aspects of this you know it's like you can try and keep track of like where they lie about everything 
you can kind of try and keep track of like what they're fueling you can kind of keep track of like the people who are going to see it but like you can't really have your eyes everywhere for this thing you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i don't know there's and we didn't even get to like some of the best stuff like jim caviezel or uh tim ballard has a corporation called like slave stealers yeah and yeah. <laughs> nobody his book about, about abraham lincoln i haven't read that book yet yeah what's it called like the new abolitionist or something like that i have it pulled up here it is the lincoln terrible. hypothesis a modern day abolitionist investigates a possible connection between joseph smith the book of mormon and abraham stop lincoln. it no i gotta read that yeah <laughs> god damn it <laughs> i gotta read that <laughs> Yeah, I heard that. I heard that's what they were about. I heard it was setting up the, it was basically trying to write the air, like the heirs of like the founding fathers down to like Joseph Smith and Brigham Young through like the Mormon church making this, mm. making themselves more the all American religion, you know? Yeah. I, mean? that's I definitely think we should try and infiltrate some of these cool seminars. They sound like they're having coming up here though. I'd be curious to attend, like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Mon- <laughs> Monday night, 7 PM in mountain time. They're unveiling the global battle against child sex trafficking. July. 19th, I should attend that. Yeah. Yeah. July nineteenth, they're unleashing hope beyond the rescue. That's probably saying they have aftercare now. Uh, oh. <laughs> July twenty fifth, exposing the reality of human trafficking in the U.S. Is this where we get the warnings about the fentanyl napkins, and the dollar bills? Ooh, I could see that. And the Achilles tendon slashers. Yeah. The many things women have to watch for going to their car. Yeah. Because there's yeah. nothing better than somebody in traffic than a dead person. You know. <laughs> the, same way, mean, the same way you get addicts hooked by killing them. You know. Yeah. You just have to make model. you have to make up a bunch of stuff to throw at the wall to justify <laughs> Americans doing whatever they want in whatever country they want to do, you know. And yeah, football, et cetera. It's crazy too because Tim Ballard, like the way he puts it, is just like, you know, like I'm allowed to go do this stuff because, like, oh, the government wouldn't let me, like, fucking go extrajudicially <laughs> fucking find people and, like, try to buy children off the streets. Like, yeah, man, that's not what the budget of the DHS is for. <laughs> We're the Department of Homeland. Yeah. Like, when did this fucking, when, I'm sorry, when did this fall under? I didn't see, like, what is your art? At best, I'm sure the legal argument was like, some of this material finances terrorism. And that seems like the best way you could tangentially like loop that into like the DHS's like mission. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Because that's what they were like about everything. They're like, oh yeah, loose cigarettes, those actually fund Hezbollah. You know, if you go buy a Lucy for 50 cents, that's money going straight to Al Qaeda or Hezbollah. That's destroying Israel. You know, it's like, well, you have to balance it out first off because there's enough products that support Israel. You should at least be able to buy a few that support Hamas. I don't think it's fair that you can only do one. (laughs) If you can buy a soda stream, you should be able to buy that Lucy that sends 25 cents to Hamas. It's a free market. I see and Ben and Jerry's are being protested for being woke again, too. I noticed that one, even though I've been protesting them for being woke over not selling in the occupied West Bank for years. And nobody apparently <laughs> stuck to that, dude. It's really sad. But no, the fucking response to this movie has been so goofy, and you saw it now. Like, you saw what I meant about how it just sucks. Yeah. It was a full theater for me. Almost full. It was close to full for mine. I was on opening day, though. That was before Elliot Rube. They were the Rubes, fucking the turkeys looking up at the rain, being like, why am I drowning? They're the ones buying the pay-it-forward tickets. You know what I mean? Mm. 
that was on them. But uh, I did not like, get a free ticket, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, that's bullshit. <laughs> and, that, and that's another thing I think is funny is these people like I love when they do this shit. I hate it, but I love it. But when they conspiracy themselves, like the theater says it's fucking sold out, but there ain't nobody in here. It's like you did this, you motherfuckers. Like, again, you guys complain about getting what you want every single fucking time. You know, they don't know any other method. It's just always like, well, I won. I hate it. That's it. <laughs> and I just, I don't know where this movie's going to go. Maybe a Sound of Freedom 2. Who knows what the Spear Foundation's going to fucking be? It seems like an umbrella organization to funnel the money to the rest of them or whatever. Yeah, that's going to be weird. And he's working with, uh, what is it, a nurse in Hawaii? So, yeah. Uh, we've seen how reliable nurses can be over the last couple of years. So that should turn out well. <laughs> and that's the crazy thing, man. It's just wild to me that like you can present all this evidence of like, yeah, here's like people who worked in this, like they run a home for like trafficked women and like children and shit like that. And they'll just be like, hey, Tim Ballard's doing, you know, he's doing damage. And there's just like a bunch of people with like check blue check marks they paid for a fucking epic, you know, Abby of like a Socrates statue or like donald trump on a tank and it'll just be like oh yep no pedophile like okay bro got me you got this attorney who's been in the family court system for 20 years you owned her ass like you know what trafficking looks like and it's like the idea that like operation underground railroads putting out all these like statements that are real heavy i'm like this is all exaggerated like we wouldn't do anything this crazy tim ballard's never killed anybody we never snuck into a fark you know base in the jungle like they have all these disclaimers on their site, but it's like, you know how useless that is. And that's what pisses me off too. Cause it's like, they know that's bullshit. They know that's like Alex Jones telling you like, Oh, here's the headline. You can go find the article. You know, he does that yeah. knowing they're not going to do it. Like, you, mm -hmm. And to just think that these people, like I was going to say, talking to Robbie, it's like the people who would be like, Hey man, you can't take this like river blindness medicine for COVID. And they're like, Oh, so you do admit it's a medicine. It's like, yeah, fuck me. I guess. Like, <laughs> sure. <laughs> You admit trafficking yeah. happens. Yeah. yeah, technically, it is a medicine, bro. It is a medicine for something, not for this. But you got me there. It's like, you know, it won the Nobel Prize. It's like, okay, like, yeah, man, I guess it did for river blindness. You know, it's like that kind of shit. It's like it's just such a bad faith argument. That Peterson shit. He's just like, well, and here on Wikipedia it says, uh, you don't actually do the stuff you say you do. And he's like, well, I'll tell you, Jordan, that's a lie. We do do the stuff we say we do. It's like, okay, moving on. <laughs> and then the next controversy is like a lower one where it's like bullshit or something, you know? It's like the deflection people are doing for him. And the idea that Steve Bannon is sitting next to Jim Caviezel talking about the price of a barrel of oil next to the price of a barrel of body parts. And yeah, Bannon, yeah. for the drunk and idiot moron Irish piece of shit that he is, Bannon doesn't even be like, come on, man. Like... I guess he really is to throw everything at the fucking wall and see what sticks guy. If he's willing to go that far. Cause that's pretty much the bottom for him, dude. You already had Alex Jones on your show to be like, I actually love you. And I haven't been calling you a piece of shit the last five years. And I hope you don't go to prison like me. You know, it seemed like that was a big sellout, but this is like fucking lame. Just all to get in on this movie. But I guess they really think it's going to do something for him. You know, I just don't know how much staying power it has. Well, that one investigation ended now tim ballard says oh wait what was it he's he's not with our now he has the spear foundation thing going on with a rudimentary website but this isn't i don't know 
Yeah, yeah. and OER is like, you know, we had this problem when we first looked into them. OER is like buried everything. It's like trying to yeah. find negative information on Elon Musk. It's almost impossible, you know? Yeah. We don't know why Tim Ballard's like total compensation went from 300,000 a year to zero a year, like stuff like that. It's like, well, we don't, don't even know where, yeah, we don't even know where the money is coming from for the most part, you know, like mm -hmm. these, we know that like I get texts for these stupid like black tie galas and shit like that, where it's like, this is, a, you guys are under investigation by multiple states. Like, how are you doing this right now in California of all places? Mm -hmm. But and I think we didn't really get into it either, but like, I think Robbie's right. The big dangerous part is it's brought in people who aren't necessarily right-wingers. It's brought in all like the, you know, the conspirituality cranks and stuff like that would save the children and Wayfair and all this shit too, which is like a whole other issue you don't know how to address. But the thing is, everybody loves the fucking operator. So it's going to be an uphill battle because mm -hmm. you have to prove that the operators are fucking lying, which is next to impossible. You know, there's still people out there defending Chris Kyle, calling Jesse Ventura a piece of shit for winning a lawsuit, <laughs> you know, and like there's still people who love Black Rifle Coffee Company, even though like they failed to support Kyle Rittenhouse when he needed him the most. <laughs> but there's still people out there doing it. And the, the operators are the fucking guys now. The, the regular troops, fuck them. Garbage, trash. You're fucking moving the ammo back and forth between planes. I don't give a shit. If you're in, unless you're behind enemy lines for 90 days, no food then you can call me but yeah the operator like denying the operator is going to be tough because that's become like the new national hero is like and that's exactly what they say look at this last fucking seminar webinars q a with operators from the real sound of freedom mm. that's mm. it's absurd and like yeah they get these guys like tony robbins and jim caviezel and shit like that to be like do you want to play army with us it's like seinfeld going to the zionism camp it's the same shit, bro. It's for evangelical Christians over here. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, you don't have the money to fly to Israel? Like, you can come yeah. to Colombia with us, you know? Yeah. Well, it's a whole international missions model where yeah. if you have a little bit of money, you can pay $2,000 to get your ticket to go wherever, and then they'll have you dig a ditch or something, and then you'll come back to the U.S., and then uh, you did something, but you don't really know what, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to cut in that scene from Righteous Gemstones at the end of season one. Where is it? What is it? Missionary works only for Catholics and hippies. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, now anyone yeah. can do it, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing is like there's weird new missionaries now. Mm -hmm. You know, you got guys like, um, you could call like Vincent Fusco a missionary in his own right, driving the JFK Jr. van around, just preaching the word of Donald Trump, you know, like. yeah. There's a strange like cult. I mean, negative. Uh, one of that. the greatest missionaries, one of the greatest religious leaders of our time, has died in a dirt biking accident. You know, negative forty eight has sadly passed away. Mm -hmm. But I mean, he was an offshoot leader like that, where it's like, if you the thing is that without a central figure, it's like it's gonna it's strange seeing which of these offshoots is actually becoming most powerful. Mm -hmm. And it's the sneak ones like Ballard. You know, it's not the crazy ones that get all the attention. I think it's going to be the sneak ones like Ballard who've already like integrated themselves into officialdom so much. And I think that's going to be a danger going forward, yeah. especially if like Trump comes back or whatever, because Trump's cabinet is going to be even less well-equipped than last time. Cause mm. like the few people who knew how to do that job are definitely not coming back to be like, Oh yeah, I might be killed when we lose the next election. You know, <laughs> like, who's going to be VP for that? You know, like I think, mm -hmm. Chapo joked about it being like, well, it's got to be Mike Flynn because you're going to want a guy with military experience in case he's got to get out of there, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I don't even know who you're going to pick. So, like, I'd imagine if we thought, like, the early, you know, 
anti-globalist like days of like Stephen Miller and Bannon and all these like Gorka and all these freaks walking around the White House. It's like we may see more of them in the future than we do see of like the Reince Priebuses or the fucking Kellys and shit like that coming in because mm. most of those guys are gonna be like, you know, I'm not gonna try and die next year on January 21st, actually. So I'm good. You know, I'm gonna pass this up. I, I don't know, you'll try and hand this to like an heir apparent or something weird. Like I'm good. So I think we'll definitely see more cranks in there, especially with the fight going on with him and DeSantis and stuff. I think Trump will remember like who wasn't loyal during this bullshit. So that means no job for fucking Ian Miles Chong. Mm. You know, mm. he's out. But yeah, man, I want to do this again. I think we should definitely, um, I think we should dive more into Mormonism and this cute stuff, you know, and this OUR. I think we should find some more sources on it. So we'll keep looking. Yeah. You know, we'll see where we go in the future. But yeah, man, this is a good one. It was nice talking to you and We'll be back soon. Like to run.